a lot sooner than it's being done. And Aaron, is is everything still being banned that you have put out in the past? Because I know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but a few days ago, uh, I think it was about a week ago, Facebook all of a sudden had an epiphany and said, well, we're going to let people now say that maybe this was a leak from the Wuhan lab. We're no longer going to put people in Facebook jail for 30 days that are saying that. Um, and I think they're sort of softening their position because the truth is about to come out. And I think it's going to be even worse mm-hmm. than it was accidentally released. But have you noticed a softening? Uh, like, for example, is your movie still banned? Uh, are you still facing backlash from social media for the things you've said? Uh, well, I'll say something first is everything they censor is exactly what you need to know. And so, I mean, we did say that from the very beginning, you know, um, President Trump did say that, you know, it could have been, it, you know, nobody knows and nobody knew what was going on. Right. And um, I am not feeling um, any softening on my end. Um, I have spent... <laughs> Like, honestly, I think on Facebook, I kind of gave up because we're into June. I've been banned about four and a half of those months from Facebook. And, you know, it's kind of disheartening because, you know, I did serve our country. I did go to war. I did, you know, lose a lot of, of my battle buddies overseas fighting for our freedom. And I feel that it's a huge slap in the face to, you know, not be given our First Amendment rights. You know, we should have that freedom of speech, despite if they if they like it or not. Um, you know, we, we have a right to be able to voice our opinions and especially share the truth. Um, my expose, it, it is still on YouTube, but it's unsearchable. And I think it was like after like the first three days, it was viewed over a million times. And they stopped counting at around 1.7 million. So I, I don't know how many, you know, people have seen it, but I've definitely interviewed all over the world. So has this affected you? Has this affected you professionally? Are you able to still work here in Florida as a nurse and all that and, and just go on with your life other than all this stuff? Um, no, actually. So. What's crazy is before my expose came out, the producers of the, you know, that filmed it, we wanted, they wanted to fact check everything that I was saying, you know, despite like just my undercover video, you know, that was obviously fact checked. But in Florida, you know, I claimed, which was the truth, that, you know, outside of the hospital that I was working at in the emergency room, we treated our patients successfully, 100% of them with the hydroxychloroquine and zinc protocol. And so they wanted to fact check that. So they went to my hospital. They went all the way up to the CEO of the hospital system. And he said, absolutely. He was one of the first people to watch my expose, was totally on board. I was supported by everybody in my hospital. And then I had come back and um, they, they let me go as well. So I was fired despite the fact that they supported me. And, you know, the the problem is they don't want anybody in this hospital system because even on a good day, hospitals are really bad telling the truth. And so, you know, they get rid of anybody that you know might buck the system and might call them on, you know, their wrongdoing. Yeah. And I want to go through I want to take the rest of our time and go through all of these things that you saw. And I want to start with uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo who 
this guy, I, 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 there's probably no one else on my list. Maybe Scott Peterson, if you heard the last, <laughs> the last, uh, <laughs> maybe he's, yeah. like, maybe he's like a notch higher. But this guy, th- this guy is just, he is off the rails. He's uh, clearly some kind of sociopath. And he writes a mm-hmm. book giving himself credit for his leadership and releases that book mm-hmm. even before uh, the the numbers are are coming down in his state he's already writing a, i mean you write that book 5 years later or or at least you know you wait until everything is is now i've got to ask you though uh Janice Dean from Fox News mm-hmm. other people are going after him for putting already infected COVID patients into the nursing homes. Now, the one question that mm-hmm. no one, I've not heard anybody answer this, what possible good reason could he claim that there was for doing such a thing? Because he had the hospital ship, he had the Javits Center, he had the other tent hospital, I believe it was in Central Park. Yeah, good, good he, Samaritan first. Yeah, mm-hmm. he had all of these uh, hospitals uh, set up with uh, mm-hmm. you know special wings uh, f- for this. Why would you, I mean, in, in his defense, what could he possibly say was a good reason for mixing already COVID infected people with the, the, the most, the weakest of our, you know, in our population, those that are already in nursing homes? Why would he possibly do that? I don't know. I mean, there's no, there's no good reason. You know, he's going to, he's claiming that he was overwhelmed and nobody knew what was going on, but that's not true because, um, though he actually ordered down our, uh, the administration of all the hospitals to admit patients and into the hospital. So they were kind of stuffing them in like sardines because they were collecting paychecks for it. There was incentive to do that. So had he utilized the comfort ship, the Javits Center, the Good Good, Good Samaritan's Purse, the hospital system, you know, in New York, the New York City health and hospital system is very corrupt. They were already under, you know, they needed the money. Um, And so he didn't utilize any of that. So I I don't I I don't know. I, I mean, this is like a kindergartner can figure out that you shouldn't probably put COVID infected into nursing homes with immunocompromised other elderly you know, people that were living there. So I, I don't know. The only thing I can think of is that he really just needed to increase the death count to keep the, you know, yeah. And I, I, don't know, I mean, and, and I, I, I'm with you, but I, I keep thinking to myself as strange of a guy as Cuomo is that, you know, maybe there's some other like good reason, like, Maybe, I don't know, somebody told him if you mix people that have COVID with those that don't, it'll somehow help those to build immunity to it or some kind of something. But I, I, I've not heard one possible good reason for it. And, and it's the same thing with these masks and a lot of this other stuff. It's just like there's no logic to it. It's just do what we say because we said it. And the science is on our side, even though we're not using science. We're just going to say that we're using science. Now, let's talk about this idea that if somebody died in a motorcycle crash, if somebody committed suicide, if somebody fell off a ladder, that they would test their blood. And if they had COVID in their blood, they would code that death as a COVID death because there was money to be made from that. You get into that in your book. How, How much of that did you see? Like every single patient was a COVID patient. You could go in with a cough. You know, on a normal day outside of the pandemic, here's the here's the difference between outside of our quote pandemic versus 
you know, uh, nowadays, <laughs> you know, you walk in with a cough, they're going to, you know, use, um, they're going to test you for everything else. Like, do you have the flu? Is there, you know, do you have some, you know, they're going to test you for a multitude of things, not in New York, not around the country. You know, everybody became a COVID patient because there was incentive to admit these patients, to diagnose these patients. And, you know, anytime that you put a price tag on a diagnosis, the hospitals are going to go for that price tag because ultimately our healthcare system is a business and they need to make money. And, you know, like, why not, why not do this? We're, you know, they, they created um, kind of a fear factor and people bought right into it. And we're not so saying, they, they, we're not saying that COVID didn't happen. We're not saying that some thousands of people will maybe never know the real number that actually really did die from COVID as a primary reason. Um, but at the same time, I've seen some of these numbers coming out now suggesting that there was no more deaths that happened in the last year than would have happened in any other typical year statistically, which makes me question all this. And I'm right there with you that whenever there's money as a motivation, you got to consider mm -hmm. that. Wasn't it true, uh, Aaron, that there was a time when it wasn't even a COVID test that determined you had COVID, but just if you showed symptoms that could be COVID, you would be classified as COVID. So if you had any of the things like, like a fever or, or a cough or any of those things that could be COVID, it was just automatically COVID. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's, that's, just what everybody did. And, you know, the problem is, is everybody claimed that they were so overwhelmed. But I got to New York in early April, and we never had more patients than I do. I did on a normal day outside of the pandemic. And also, when I got there, um, you know, they, they gave me two days to come into New York as if it was, you know, we're war zone. So I'm going into another war zone. I'm ready to get to work. And I sat around for three days and I, I found out, like, started talking to other nurses. There is hundreds of nurses sitting around for like three weeks. This was at the height when they're when they're claiming that, you know, there's no nurses. We need so much up. That's not true. Um, they were bringing in 400 nurses at a time through the staffing agency I went through. It's Crucial Staffing with a K. Very corrupt organization. I hope they're investigated, too. But, you know, to bring in 400 at a time kind of justified that they, they continue to need more nurses, which also, you know, included more funding through FEMA. So it was kind of a. Yeah. And, no, and so, you know, maybe on very, the very maybe on, maybe on the one hand, they were anticipating. And I think you had you alluded to that in one of the interviews I heard that. Well, when you got there, you thought, well, maybe you were just like pre-staging for like something big uh -huh. that was about to happen. But there was this big controversy where people were driving around here in Florida and other areas and filming empty hospital parking lots. And then that all of those videos got banned and those people were tarred and feathered and called conspiracy theorists. But it was like a re it was a, not an unreasonable question because on the news, they would show you things on the news and then you would actually drive to a hospital and see an empty parking lot. And I know that like even here in Florida, a lot of medical people were laid off from their jobs during mm -hmm. COVID because there was nothing for them to do because all elective 
elective surgeries, all like non-emergency things were all turned away. Uh, all like medical tests were all turned away because it was COVID. Um, but yet mm-hmm. they wanted us to believe it was like, you know, like that uh, movie outbreak, you know, like everybody was wearing hazmat suits and we're treating people out in the parking lot. And it wasn't that even where you were in Elmhurst, New York, was it? No, no. And and the reason that I even took a travel position is because everybody was being furloughed. And, you know, I, I don't know, I kind of run towards danger, I guess. (laughs) You know, I don't know why kind of I was been that way. And, you know, I'm like, well, I'll go, you know, and somebody else can pick up hours because like nurses needed to work. You know, they were laying everybody off or furloughing them. A lot of nurses left because they were scared. You know, nobody knew what to think at the time. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, uh, there wasn't, um, there was never really a pandemic, to be honest with you. You know, we were never, maybe in the very beginning at Elmhurst, you know, they, they didn't know what to do. But ultimately, by the time I got there, it was well staffed. And there were not patients in droves coming out. What the problem is they were stuffing you stuffing every single patient in, in order to kind of make it look like a pandemic. You know, they were putting everybody on ventilators, despite knowing that ventilators were killing 100% of the patients. Yeah, tell us about this. Tell us about this part in your book where you talk about that people who were negative, they had negative COVID tests, you say, multiple times Mm -hmm. they were tested and had negative COVID tests. But yet, were labeled as COVID positive and were put on COVID only floors and were ended up uh, sedated and then ultimately put onto ventilators and then they died. Yeah. Well, I mean, you said it, uh, you know, there was incentive. So I don't know. I mean, some people may not know this, but it was $13,002 per patient to admit them as a COVID patient or a COVID rule-out. COVID rule-out would be, well, we don't know. We're going to send the test out, be a five to 10-day turnaround. In the meantime, they'd be admitted to, you know, a COVID floor, eventually being put on a ventilator just because that's what everybody, all these doctors, residents did. Is just That was just what they did. That's how they treated these patients was pop them on a ventilator. So that was another $39,000 paycheck for the hospital. There's incentive to do it. There's no liability. They kicked out all family members. You know, it was the perfect storm. It was a turnkey operation. Um, you know, and eventually these patients would die of multi-system organ failure because the only thing that they were really being treated with was paralytics and sedatives. So you're just paralyzing these patients and, and keeping them asleep. It's essentially like being in a, you know, a surgery for 30 days until your organs can't take it anymore. Wow. And then, you know, you would end up in a freezer truck. You know, this was not okay. Oh, like the majority of these patients never, never came in there with COVID ever. I mean, these were patients that a lot of anxiety and I got a lot of pushback for that. But you know what? People were scared. The media influenced people to, you know, believe that there was some crazy virus going around and it was just killing everybody in its path. Has anybody, has, has Elmhurst or any of these other, places sued you or anything saying that what you're saying is defamatory and untrue nope nope <laughs> i got a letter um not long i know you know I, because they know it's true 
Um, but I did get a letter from Alma Hurst um, shortly after my expose came out with some of my undercover footage, um, and they requested, um, you know, to my attorney that I turn over all of my undercover footage. And obviously, his answer was no. <laughs> yeah. And then I got one more after that, and are are you know requesting the same, and our answer was no. And I haven't heard from them since because they know that what I'm saying and what I recorded is the truth. They literally murdered these patients, and they know it. Now, tell me about the uh, the, the the DNRs, the the do not resuscitates. Now, people, if if you know you're watching tonight, you're listening, you don't know what that means. So you can uh, sign documents or give instructions by way of a medical power of attorney that you don't want to be resuscitated uh, if you if you are in a situation where you would die. So this means they wouldn't do extraordinary life saving on you like CPR, venting you or any of that. Now, you're saying in the book that uh, people were refused CPR and extraordinary life saving who did not have a DNR mm -hmm. order or a DNR yeah. document, they were just allowed to die. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually recorded this occurring multiple times. One of them is in my video as a 37 year old um, guy. Um, and yeah, he was a full code. The doctors had talked to him uh, or talked to the family and um, assured them that they would do everything they could to resuscitate him if anything happened. The family was, you know, wanting them to do that. They promised it. And when it came down to him actually needing to be coded, which is, you know, us performing CPR measures to save his life, we were told to stand down. And ultimately, um, he died with the nurses um, on one side of his body and the doctors on the other side of his body arguing in order to save his life and, and he he died in front of us and oh, wow. that i have fully recorded and that's murder you know like if if somebody and this is by law i don't care if this is um you know the hospitals were under like a no liability clause um but the fine small print in that is unless it's gross negligence and the gross negligence is is what they did is you know not um, you know, trying not doing everything they could to save a human life. And that's exactly what they did. And it was very, very common. They did this to so many patients over and over again. Um, because, you know, there's no family in there to observe this. So they really got away with a lot. They got away with murder multiple times and um, hundreds and thousands of times. Well, and, and, and we, know, we and we know that the numbers were so much higher um, in New York. You know, even if you look at it in terms of pro rata to the population, it was still way beyond uh, anything in anywhere. So we know that something was going on there. Some people say it mm -hmm. was just the mixing with the nursing homes, which is sort of a, a mystery still as to why that was done. But then all these other things, I mean, it's certainly backed up by the results of, of what we've seen. I'm going to put the phone number up right now. Uh, if you're watching live and it's Sunday night or you're listening live on the stream, I'm going to put the phone number up. We'll take a couple of questions as time permits. Uh, the phone number to join us is 646-716-4041. 646-716-4041 or shoot your question by email to jim at christianmoney.com. 
Jim at ChristianMoney.com. Um, all right. Someone's already emailed me before I even asked for questions. They want to know, are, are you saying, Aaron, that no one died from COVID? Because this person in the email is saying they know someone that actually did die from COVID. They know they had COVID. Um, we, we're, mm-hmm. I think most of us know someone in our extended circle that may have actually died from it. But there's weird things like why there was no flu this past year. All of a sudden, there's no flu. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, there's no more deaths this last year than there would normally statistically be. Um, but I mean, is it your claim that there wasn't COVID, that people just died from other things? Or was it just that this was exaggerated uh, beyond what it really was? Um, no, that's one thing that's been kind of misconstrued. I guess over the past year is that I'm not claiming that there wasn't something out there. Um, I definitely don't believe it was, it was natural. Um, the patients that had COVID didn't even stand a chance. Um, I mean, they literally, um, they came, they would come in and the x-rays of their lungs were completely white. Their blood was super viscous. Like we couldn't even get lab draws. Their blood was so thick. So it was almost syrupy thick, um, and it was deep, dark red. So you would automatically know who actually had COVID and who didn't just by the lab drop. And there was not many of them, that's the thing. So there, they were few and far between. So I honestly wholeheartedly believe that this was somehow planted in the larger um, scale areas, so in low-income areas. Um, such as Queens, New York, you know, like a lot of these people were minor, minority populations, black, brown, Asian, Medicare, Medicaid. It was easy for them to do that, you know, in those kind of populations where nobody would question anything. And, and obviously they don't have a lot of money. Um, you didn't see this in, you know, the Manhattan rich areas. And so you would have to, you know, that's something that the public should really question, you know, why, why didn't it affect the people, you know, on the top of the totem pole. Why yeah. What about, uh, the yeah, the, all the upper West side, like millionaires, exactly. you, they weren't flooding yeah. into the, to the, uh, emergency room. Uh, someone's asking no. here by email, they want to know with all these lawsuits that are going on, have you been called as a witness in any of these cases or have, do you expect to be called as a witness? Um, I, I can't talk about any lawsuits, but, um, I don't know. Keep stay uh, updated. Yeah. Okay. I <laughs> figure. I, I, I figure that's one yeah, thing you sorry. might not be you might not be able to talk about. Yeah. Another another question here is about the vaccine. There's all these different vaccines, and um, you know, my audience largely is against the vaccine. Um, I got the vaccine only because. Um, I had to get it because I'm planning some international travel and all that. Um, but I have family members that are refusing the vaccine. It, they want to know what you think about the vaccine. I mean, obviously, if you're not one that thinks COVID was a big thing in the beginning, I imagine you're not, uh, you know, an advocate for the vaccine, but I don't want to jump to any conclusions. Um, well, let's just say that it was a big thing. And if we're looking at the numbers right now, 99.98% of the population is, you know, survives this, right? So 
that would be kind of my first red flag as a person. Why do we need a vaccine for such a high, you know, percentage of survival? That in itself doesn't make sense. You know, there wasn't, you know, especially now the statistics are, are even, you know, getting higher. So I would think that it's probably even less than that at this point. Second of all, um, you know, there's there's no liability to the vaccine manufacturers for this. So if something happens to you, you are, you know, there's there's really nothing you can do. And likely they're going to gaslight you just like they're gaslighting a lot of adults that are that have been injured, have died. You know, you don't see this on the news. And now they've started targeting children. And, um, you know, we're seeing similar things happening to children, heart attacks, strokes at 15 years old. This is not OK. So, yeah, it, it, I, you're, I guess, I'm with you because when you think about it in those terms that, I mean, the survivability is so high now. And I, I wonder why that is. I, I, you know, obviously before we had the vaccine, um, we went to like if you had COVID, it, 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 what changed, I guess, is my question from, let's say, early in the pandemic to later in the pandemic where it seemed like everybody was surviving. I know they largely rejected the hydroxychloroquine and zinc. That was considered because Trump mentioned that nobody could use it. It was considered like malpractice if you used it, even though there's virtually no reason not to try it because it doesn't have any real downside. It's sort of a, a benign thing to try, but it was it became a lightning rod. Why do you think that that the survivability rate got so much better later on? Um, I think it was always fine. I think that the media just made it seem like it wasn't. You know, they were only videoing freezer trucks and not exactly telling people that these people that were heading into the freezer trucks were dying of gross negligence, medical malpractice and medical mismanagement. Like it's never been bad. And then, you know, ultimately this hydroxychloroquine, the, the study that the Lancet picked up that said it's so deadly has been retracted. And the reason that was retracted is because they used a really, really high dose. Dose matters in medicine. So we have all these media people and all these people around here with no medical knowledge, no medical degrees determining, you know, that the super high dose that they have no clue about is deadly. Of course it is. Like if you take too much Tylenol, it can be deadly. So dose matters. And, the, you know, they're, they were my, the dose of hydroxychloroquine is microdosed. And it was effective in my hospital in Florida. They did ban it in New York and other states around the country, around the world. And here's the problem. Politicians make very lousy doctors, and they should have never gotten involved in the doctor-patient relationship. That relationship has always been sacred, and they've destroyed that. So here's the kicker. You know, these hospitals in New York were liability-free, except if a doctor prescribed hydroxychloroquine off-label, which doctors prescribe any medication off-label all the time. It's, it's uh, very common. Then that doctor would likely, he would definitely lose his job and he'd definitely lose his license. That's the only liability that they would ever face in the hospital. But outside of that, they could easily, you know, not code patients and get away with it. Like that's how backwards it is. And they didn't want any, any of these patients being treated with any of these banned alternatives. You know, Dr. Chang, um, you know, discussed the high dose IV vitamin C that was being successful in Asia, banned that too. It was only the ventilators, despite knowing that ventilators were killing 100% of the patients. They wanted death. 
What is your, uh, this is my final question. Then I want you to tell us all about uh, websites we can go to. And again, about the book, but the final question is what, what do you make of this? I mean, clearly all the media, all the social media, Facebook and YouTube, everybody got together very early on and said that uh, this could not have come from the Wuhan lab, even before there was any way to know whether it came from there or not. I mean, I think it would have been reasonable for someone to say, well, maybe it did, but maybe it didn't. We don't really know. But we had media people very early on, before we could even know, saying there's absolutely no way that it could have escaped from the lab. Uh, there's no way that it could have been a biological weapon, even though we know that the Chinese uh, do have biological weapons and they use labs like that to create biological weapons. And then you had all the social media companies coming in, banning people. You'd go to Facebook jail for 30 days uh, for putting anything up, suggesting it came from the lab. It happened so uniformly across the board and it happened so early on. Some people have speculated that we have absolutely no idea how much power that China has over our media and our social media. What other reason do you have um, as to why this could be? Why was this such a shutdown of any other narrative so early on? I mean, they, they knew very early on that this was lab made and they don't want to be like, this was a biological weapon. Um, and this was definitely a psyop. Um, a psychological operation is exactly what has happened, um, in, in the United, actually around the world, but especially in the United States is, um, you know, and this is exactly what they do. They shut down the truth and they just keep repeating and repeating, repeating a lie. And, you know, this is, uh, type some of the type of work that I did in the military. And, you know, when we were in Iraq, we would use our loudspeakers and play messages over and over and over again. And, you know, this is, this is definitely, you know, how it works. And it, it definitely worked. You know, that's why and anybody that questioned it, did it come from a lab? Um, they were made to look crazy. And this is exactly what they're doing with the vaccine right now. Is this vaccine causing a lot of deaths? Absolutely not. You're censored. You're kicked off. The, you know, you, you cannot discuss it. So anything that you can't discuss, um, you know, you, everybody should really question. That should be a red flag immediately. Yeah. And but we're living in a world where we're going to get a, a report from the government that there are aliens uh, that's supposed to come out in the next week. But we can't say that maybe this was a biological weapon. I mean, but we can say, you know, uh, that there are aliens. I mean, so so who knows? I mean, we're just living in this crazy, crazy time. All right. So tell us um, I'm going to tell people again, the book is at Amazon and it's undercover epicenter nurse. How fraud, negligence and greed led to unnecessary deaths at Elmhurst Hospital. You can get it in Kindle. In audiobook, there's audio CD or hardcover, and the author is Aaron Marie Olszewski. That's spelled O L S Z E W S K I. Or just type in "undercover epicenter nurse" at Amazon. You get to that page. Now, tell us about any websites or how they might be able to still watch the movie. Um, yeah, so if you don't want to give Amazon your money, you can get a signed copy from me at nurseerin.org. 
And then the only remaining social medias that I have right now are Instagram and, and Twitter. So my, my handles on both are the same. It's Aaron, E-R-I-N underscore B as in boy, S as in Sam, N as, N as in Nancy. And um, there's a link in each of those in my bio that you can find my expose, my undercover uh, a work that I did in New York. So it's Nurse Aaron, and that's E-R-I-N, Nurse Aaron. And then there was something else, too, my producer gave me about frontline nurses or something. Are you part of that uh, organization, too? Yeah, so I started this organization with seven other nurses um, around around the country. Two of them are in Canada, and it's globalfrontlinenurses.com. And uh, we're continuously updating that as well. So people can go there and find us. Very good. Aaron Marie Olszewski, thank you so much for sharing your information with us. We sure hope you'll come back again visiting. And uh, you're certainly a hero, not only from the war, but also for what you're doing here today. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great night. You too. Thank you. Wow. Well, I'll be honest. I didn't know how explosive that was going to be and i wouldn't even be surprised if that gets taken down before it even gets put up online uh you know after the live show ends so we'll just have to see <laughs> if i all of a sudden disappear uh for a few weeks you know what happened i i went over the line tonight uh but you know what the truth is the truth and uh we'll put it out there and uh Whatever happens, happens. I mean, I'm still over at Rumble. I haven't, I've got Rumble and um, all my channels are still up right now, but I just uh, poked the bear tonight with, with all of that. So uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Next week, if we're still here, uh, Josh Lajani's here. He lost over 200 pounds, became an ultra marathon runner. No kidding. Running 50 and 100 mile races after losing over 200 pounds. Just incredible. He'll be with us next week in our guest segment. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. So long, everybody.